We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dateable Podcast, where we dig into the whys of people's behavior when it comes to modern dating. And then we're going to tell you the hows of navigating this whole dating scene, your love life, etc., along with our big announcement that we've been teasing for a while. I feel like the biggest tease right now. (laughs) The only time in my life. The how, how, hows has been what we've been asked for for so long. Everyone's like, okay, the whys are amazing, but we need the hows. And that's basically what we set off to do. We're like, how can we bring the hows? And what is that question that everyone wants? Like, what is it ultimately that people want when they listen to Dateable? And I think the silver lining that really brought this to life was the pandemic, that we got Mm. to have so much close contact with all of you through the Facebook group, through Instagram 
through all the community and really hearing like what are the struggles and really what people want is you know to go from that dating hamster wheel like being on the apps off the apps endless cycles of dates meeting emotionally unavailable people getting ghosted all the stuff that we hate about modern dating that everyone complains about it's like I don't want that. I want to just find my person, like finding that like real connection. Like it's so hard these days for whatever reason to find that. It's like a needle in a haystack, or at least that's the feeling. So UA and I really like put our minds together. We're like, we've talked to thousands of daters at this point. How can we use what we learned at Datable and put this to good use that's really helping everyone reach the goal that they're trying to goal is to meet their person ultimately. Have you been following us in our Facebook group as well as on social media, we've teased this out long enough and we did reveal exactly <laughs> what we're working on as far as the, the concept of it, which is a program to help you find your person. This is a tried and true method that we've developed in the last few years and we've tried it on ourselves. <laughs> Obviously, it's worked for both Julie and I. We've also tried it on others, unbeknownst to them. We've also <laughs> seen great results from it and we are so excited to share this method with a select mm -hmm. group of people because well, there are only two of us, so we love to share with everyone, but we can only take on so many at a time. And yep. that is why we announced this early bird wait list mm -hmm. in our Facebook group as well as on our social channels, because if you sign up for the early bird wait list, then you'll be the first to know of when registration starts for this finding your person program. Mm -hmm. And you'll be notified because we're also going to be dropping a six-part series of videos. And I think UA and I, like we've been thinking about this, UA comes from the dating industry. I've read a shit ton of terrible dating books that I feel like basically did the opposite of for me to find my person. Mm -hmm. I, it totally hindered me in finding my person. So I think we're coming from this as like the anti-dating advice yes. in a way. Yes. Well, throw throw it all the, sh all the bullshit, right? We've tried kind of everything, all the workshops, all the uh, different seminars, all the different <laughs> theories. And theories are great. I love getting theoretical. But then what do you do with that theory? Have you ever mm -hmm. read a book and then thought, these are great theories, but are they practical? What are some right. real life examples? So what we've come up with are, yes, there are theories, but also how do you implement and put them into practice in your real love life? Yeah, I think that's really the thing that we developed is the balance of you know positivity, reflection, and action. We see so many people just you know spinning their wheels, overthinking, and not taking enough action. And then we see others that are just diving in headfirst and not really reflecting at all. So and also like what do you put out into the universe? Like I think that could sound really hokey, but I do believe that people read the energy. And if you're projecting certain negativity, people on the dates can feel that. And when you're vibrating that positivity people like attract you like magnets so if you want more information definitely get on that early bird wait list it's findingyourperson.com straight yeah. to the point right findingyourperson.com <laughs> we actually played around with the name quite a bit and we thought <laughs> is it um finding love finding finding the love of 
that you want, finding yeah. someone who meets your needs. But after speaking to so many people, finding your person just we get it. Yeah. You get it. We get it. It's like what are you? What are your? What's your goal for coming here to Dateable? Well, everyone's right. like, well, I'm just trying to find my person. I'm trying to find that Basically, person. Basically, and it feels damn good when you find your person, doesn't it? Sure does. Sure does. <laughs> I'm doing an ultimate test of my relationship this weekend. Going to do. A, we're renting a two person kayak. Oh boy. Well, you're not <laughs> sleeping on it, are you? No. <laughs> just, okay. That would be the ultimate. It's not test. the ultimate test. What is it? The ultimate test is a trip to IKEA, a trip to the supermarket. Yep. I think I think the two person kayak kind of goes up there because you get a lot of coordination together. I think that would be really fun. It would be a good bonding experience. Let me know how you survive, both physically and mentally, from that. There was an option to get like a to go. Basically, if you need to use the bathroom while you're on there, like it's a go. Oh, pack. okay. Did you get we're, it? No, we're like we're gonna take our chances. Also, probably not gonna be on the kayak for four hours. Like we have the rental for four hours. I don't think we're gonna be in there for four hours. Or you can just take a little dip. Yeah, that's what I said. You know? It's like the world's biggest toilet, right? It's yeah. Yeah. And how awkward would it be if you're peeing off to the side with your partner right there? Like, it's not like he can hide and go somewhere else. He's going to be there. I just, I just want to know what it looked like. Have you seen those before? It's like there was one yes, called Go, go Girl, Girl, like when you yeah. go camping. Like, yeah. Yeah. I had to. My um, uh, my friend May used it when we hiked Kilimanjaro. And she, <laughs> I remember she was like, this thing is going to be amazing in the middle of the night. I don't want to go to the bathroom. And then towards the end, she's like, I'm just peeing out in the woods like I don't need this thing right. I'm just I'm just squatting now too lazy to get this thing out but that's going to be exciting I was talking to my boyfriend about what could be something that could bring us even closer and he was joking that you know, like, what if we just pooped in front of each other? I'm like, actually, yeah, going to the bathroom together would absolutely bring you closer together. It's the ultimate sign that you just don't give a fuck anymore, right? You know, it's like bathroom behavior. How those first few months of dating, it is like the most awkward thing when when you have to go number two. Like, do I go yeah. at his place? Do I go beforehand? Do I just hold it? There were so many relationships I've been on, I've been in that. <laughs> I would hold it for the first few months and I would just be like constipated all the time. And then you get to the point where it's like a tipping point. You're like, all yeah. right, we're seeing each other enough. You just openly talk about it. And then you get to a like too comfortable point where you t- openly talk about your, your how regular you are and what you're eating and maybe sometimes what it looks like. It's crazy just how you can go from, I'm going to hold it. I don't ever poop to like, mine was really good today. Just one turn. Isn't that everyone's relationship goal right there? (laughs) (laughs) But the, I guess the ultimate goal is to get two toilets side by side like they did back in the day. I think this, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm making this up and then you sit back to back and then you, you know, talk about your relationship and do your thing. I don't know. I think there's some things that are better to left to be mysterious. I mean, talk about a bonding experience. Yeah. Talk about a bonding experience for sure. I did have, uh, I switched therapists and I had my first therapy session today. Mm. It was virtual. And Julie, you'll think this is hilarious. We got on our call and she and I were wearing the exact same thing. Stop. <laughs> like this cape thing, you know, like this, I don't know, what you what would you call 
call this a like a wrap or a cape. It's a very therapy oh kind of feeling thing. And I like wearing it when I'm in therapy because I can wrap myself in it. But she <laughs> got on the call and we were wearing the exact same thing, like touching our capes in oh the exact same way. God. I'm like, wow, we are as one right now. She must be a great one for me. But she and I talked about dream interpretation quite a bit. And she, this is one thing I will share with our audience and then we can move on from this topic. But I used to think dream t- interpretation was to interpret what was happening in your dreams. Mm. And she gave me a really great piece of advice is you should always just remember how the dream made you feel. And mm. that's what the ultimate takeaway is. So her advice is after you dream, after you wake up in the morning, jot down key words of how that dream made you feel. Don't worry about the details, who was in the dream, just how the dream made you feel and see any patterns. I had a nightmare the other night that my partner and I broke up. Well, how did that make you feel? Really horrible. It made me really scared. And I w- woke up and luckily he was sleeping next to me. <laughs> and he's like, they got him here right now. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. So like, you felt scared or maybe yeah, I you're know, like, I think you, or or maybe it's like, this is something that you want to preserve and you don't want yes. it to not be there, you know? Yes. Like That's- I didn't, I don't think I dreamt it because I feared that that would happen, but I think it was like, this is something that's really important to me right now. Yes. And I don't want to lose it, you know? Validated the importance of the relationship. I also had a dream about you last night oh shoot (laughs) oh god i'm scared (laughs) we were i have no idea remember she said it doesn't matter who's in the dream what's in the dream it's more how you how it makes you feel i don't know where we were i don't know somewhere public and you and i were walking and i was holding your phone for some reason (laughs) and this man i think a homeless man came out of nowhere with a really aggressive bulldog and the bulldog looked vicious and it looked like he was about to set the bulldog free into the audience and so i started running i was like no i i think there's there's something wrong with this situation i'm scared for my life i'm gonna run and halfway through my run i turn around and you're not there i don't know where you were i don't know if you started running with me i was so scared but i had your phone and the whole time i kept thinking who's she gonna call how is she gonna call people if she needed help how is she gonna get help so it really scared me so it, yes, I had a scary dream as well. Wow, I don't even know what to make of that. What was I the don't dr- think I don't think you need to make anything of that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that we were holding hands, not holding a cell phone. I don't know why my mind went there. <laughs> Julie, it's a self fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? We posted our photo of us making an announcement, and one of my friends, Josh, thanks, Josh, was like engaged <laughs> because. The photo, I agree, legit looks like we are holding hands. If you know the photo we're talking about, you know exactly what's happening. If if he wants to see, there's like a whole slew of ones that are way better than that one. This is like the best of the bunch. This is what happens when you have a wedding photographer take your photos. (laughs) Now in hindsight, we realize, because in the moment we were like, yeah, put your head on my shoulder. That's cool. Yeah, put your pinky on my thumb. Maybe maybe they'll be released someday we'll we'll keep you posted maybe not it's a secret vault our lesbian vault (laughs) of a lot of people who who already think we're in a relationship rightfully so i love if that was our big (laughs) (laughs) we are engaged we've been working on this for years 
It would also be like a coming out. Like it'd be so much going on right there. You know what? Might be a better offering than anything yeah. else. That would get us more publicity than this this program that we're working on. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint you all that it was an engagement announcement between Julie and I. Uh, so anyway, we are not engaged, but we are. <laughs> Sorry to break the news, everyone. Very excited Sorry to release to these photos. The <laughs> We've gotten requests to see these photos, so we will release them one of these days when we get really big <laughs> there's some really good ones oh my god well in the meantime we in will... the meantime what is this episode about yeah. maybe we should talk about that <laughs> enough about us i'm so excited about this episode because i feel like you know it's kind of coming off of last week's about confessions of a reformed ghoster which got a really good mm-hmm. reception i think a lot of people just love this episode because it gave like a different look into the mindset of someone that's ghosting right mm-hmm. you were always like what's wrong with me and it she basically confirmed there's nothing wrong with you it is all about that person and their Mm -hmm. avoidance so if you didn't listen to that one definitely check it out but we're continuing this avoidance train this week and we're talking to our guest greg he's been a digital nomad for a really long time as long as i've known him i feel like i feel like this is a trend that's been starting with covid of people Mm -hmm. working remote and moving all over the place but greg has really been the digital nomad and even before that he talks about you know like living in the city and being too busy and I think a Mm -hmm. lot of times we all use this busy as kind of a way to avoid intimacy at the end of the day like I definitely did that for a while like I feel like until I stopped filling my social calendar like every second is when you could kind of like sit with yourself and be like okay why is my life this way when I want x y and z Mm -hmm. and I think he's had a lot of those revelations over COVID time and we're so excited to have him share those with all of you. It's going to be so relatable for so many of you because in this society, we normalize busy, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like cool to be busy and it's normal to be busy when... Not really. I mean, if you have time to poo next to your partner or not, you have time for your friends or for the people that you are trying Mm -hmm. to connect with. And I really love this journey that Greg went on to realize this, that it's it's the Mm -hmm. avoidant attachment that he has that has enabled him to kind of run away from things when now he's ready to be in one place. Mm -hmm. Can you believe it? (laughs) And to fully commit to building a life somewhere. It doesn't mean that you your life doesn't work when you're a digital nomad. You're not going to find love. That's not the case. But I think it's all about your intentions. Mm-hmm. So if you are traveling a lot, always on the go, if your intentions are still to find your person, hint, yep. hint, what a great <laughs> title for a program, and then, <laughs> then you're on that path to do so. But if your intentions are to come off busy or seem unavailable or to seem like you're hard to get, then you're not going to find your person. You're just going to attract yeah. people who are trying to prove something to themselves. Well, I think a lot of times when we enter digital nomacy and travel, it's like to explore and find ourselves. That can always be essential for that next step when you are ready to like find that person a bit more. Mm -hmm. But I think it's sometimes hard if you're in exploration mode to, you know, to settle down. I hate the word settle down, but, you know, to be a little more grounded. Yeah. Or, you know, just slow. I feel like... um, Slow? (laughs) (laughs) Just got to be a little slow, okay? Slower pace of life is what I meant to say. I didn't know that was the goal. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I feel like, settle down. I just like the word slow. Just slow. Just be slow. I don't know. I feel like before the pandemic, I was definitely more go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized how much just slowing down was important mm-hmm. and how much I even enjoyed like the, my social interactions better when it was a bit slower. And I know it sounds weird to say that you enjoyed social times during the pandemic, but I personally had a really great year socially during the pandemic. And I think mm-hmm. some Sometimes, like for like the pace that you're going at, it just allows you to connect deeper with people when it is a little slower. Or I guess more present. It's mindful and it's yeah. more present. Yeah. And you're not thinking about how do I fill my calendar? You're thinking about how do I fill my cup in this moment? Right. Or you start to like appreciate little things more like going for a walk or going to the park. Like I think like um, I actually got the pleasure of meeting one of our former guests, Jeff Harry, the other week. Yeah, Louise, our event producer's birthday party. Uh, You might remember him for making dating fun again, the Mm -hmm. play expert. And he met my boyfriend also. And he was like, what was the best date you guys went on? And we kind of were both like, I I don't even know, like, because there's just so many times that even just being in like a presence, not doing much has been our favorite. So we kind of talked about this after it's like even just going to the park and like laying down or like having the Sunday couch test, right, where you're just Mm -hmm. doing nothing with someone can actually be the times that you like greatly enjoy. It doesn't have to necessarily be this crazy adventure all the time. Although it's obviously fun to bake that in sometimes it doesn't need to be just nonstop on the go activity, activity, activity. I feel like the connection comes with slowing down a bit. So maybe the question should be what has been your best date activity? Mm. And then what has been your best date where you connected the most? Mm. Yeah. I think it needs to be expanded on because what has been your best date is it's a hard question to answer because people tend to fall into the activity of the date mm-hmm. and not so much the person that you're on the date with. Right. Or like, what was that time that it was like a turning point in your relationship? And that could be like a mm-hmm. little moment. Doesn't even That's have to a be good a one. big date. Yeah. Yes. Turning points or crossroads or turning points are always mm-hmm. great moments to pinpoint. Yes. Great. So that's the episode coming up. And now we're going to get into our question. This question is somewhat related. Um, We have someone write in and say, I've been seeing someone I really like, but he seems really busy. He's always busy with work, busy with friends, busy with his family. Do I say something to him or should I just wait it out and wait till mm. he's less busy? I've definitely dated someone like that. <sighs> yeah. I've been that person too. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing to, to ask, and it's hard for us because we don't know the situation, is there a situation that has an endpoint? Like, is Mm. he, for instance, finishing up school and it ends next month and he's in finals or whatever? I'm just making up scenarios. Or is this just a perpetual busyness? Because I think those are very different things. Yes. And I think about when I was avoiding people and trying to come off extremely busy, the difference was, and you're exactly right on, Julie, is that I would either say, oh, I'm just, I'm still busy this weekend. Like there was no end in sight, right? Yeah. But for the people I really liked, I would give them a specific date. I am really busy until I come back on this day. I would love to see you that same day. They will give you a timeline if they are serious about connecting with you. 
I mean, there are periods of everyone's lives. Like, I'm even just thinking about us right now as we're, like, putting together this program. Like, there's just a lot going on. And if I was in the dating world or with someone that wasn't as established, it might be hard to, you know, make that time commitment. Mm -hmm. But that being said, like, I am still making sure that I have more than ample enough time for my partner current day. Mm -hmm. So I think the other flip side is people prioritize what they want to prioritize. Even if it's a new relationship, if someone was super into it they will prioritize it to some degree it's always hard to give like blanket yes or no because there's some circumstances that really just don't allow someone to prioritize so i think it's digging in a little deeper of what is it that they're busy with Mm -hmm. and that is kind of that might be up to your intuition a bit like is this stuff that feels very pressing that you understand why they might not be able to give you the time back to the example of finishing school for instance if they are wrapping up papers and doing stuff that have very time commitments on them it may be more under Understandable that they can't be around every second or respond to texts immediately. But if they're just like shooting the shit with their friends all the time, like I don't know if that's necessarily enough of a reason that they're not available to you. And it really comes down to how you feel around this person. Do you feel two very distinct questions here? Do you feel like this person's fitting you into their schedule? Or do you feel like this person's making time for you? Mm -hmm. There are two very distinct avenues that you can go down. If they're just fitting you in, then you're an afterthought. You're like Mm -hmm. this, I don't know, puzzle piece. And they're like, hey, I have some room here. I'm going to put her in here. But if this person's making room for you and making time for you, they push away other obligations to spend time with you. So check back in with how you genuinely feel around them. But the question is, should I bring it up to them? I think absolutely you should, because Mm -hmm. they might not even be aware that they're doing this. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying like, okay, if if the scenario is it's busy with an end date, I think you can kind of maybe leave it a little and see if things free up once that end date happens or maybe it's even planning something if they have something big maybe it's saying like oh let's celebrate when this is over on x Mm. date and seeing their receptiveness to it but if this is just a perpetual busy i think you should have that conversation and say something like hey i really like you i really enjoy spending time with you sometimes though it feels like i'm kind of an afterthought or i'm second to other stuff going on like what's your take and kind of just like see what they say from there like leave it open and you know have that conversation make it like a back and forth conversation it doesn't need to be a confrontation or anything i think it's just simply stating how it's making you feel of an afterthought and just seeing how they respond to it how they respond to it will tell you everything if they kind of go into mode of no i'm not like you're crazy you're not believing this like that is very telling versus them being like oh i was i didn't i wasn't aware i was doing this let's face figure out how to fix this. Yes. My therapist says something to me today. I thought it was a great technique is you say my perspective. I want to share with you my perspective. Do Mm -hmm. you think I can share with you? Ask for permission. Do you think Mm -hmm. I can share with you? And the person will probably say yes. And so it puts in the context that this is your perspective and how you see things and not so much you're attacking them for it. But practice open communication. Everything we've just given you right now is a great opportunity for you to hone in your communication skills Mm -hmm. and 
to communicate your needs. So good luck with that. Good luck. On to announcements. Let's do announcements. Well, you heard the big one. (laughs) Findingyourperson.com. Get on that early bird wait list. As always, follow us on Instagram at Datable Podcast. Join Love in the Time of Corona, which is our Facebook group. We had our first weekly sound off this last week, which is the updates we've been making to um, the sounding board. And we had a host-led session. We had two of our hosts, Shieldy and Brian, along with Janice, kind of overseeing our moderator. The discussion that they had, they broke up into smaller groups, was all about how to ditch the checklist Mm. to find the right person. And the response was amazing. People that have been with us doing these happy hours, discussions, all the stuff that we've been doing, said this was by far their favorite one yet, Mm. which means that we're on to something. So I was really glad to see that. I think that having a bit more of the focused conversation, it lets people know like, okay, I'm going to clear out my Wednesday night for an hour to come to this. It's going to be worth my time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the people in this group just continue to amaze us all the time. Just the level of introspection, emotional intelligence. Like this is a really good group to surround yourself with. So if you're feeling alone on your dating journey, having this community is essential. So go to datablepodcast.com slash sounding board and you can get in. We just have one level. Keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Just be a member. That's it. (laughs) Datablepodcast.com slash sounding board. That's it. Okay, let's do quick message from our sponsors. This episode is made possible by Lugs. Amidst the golden age of the 90s, Lugs found its footing as a leader within the footwear and fashion space. Priding itself on quality materials and supreme comfort, the brand never wavered with the passing of trends. Whether you remember the brand's early appeal within the hip-hop culture or the countless celebrity endorsements, one thing remains the same, Lugs' distinctive style. Julie and I both have a few different styles of Lugs shoes ranging from their iconic boots to their canvas sneakers. Even though they're so different in style, one thing remains the same. They're all so comfortable and light. I love my flirt high zip boots that I can wear with cute summer dresses and my canvas sneakers go so perfectly with my jeans and t-shirts. Fun, comfortable, everyday wear, realistically priced and affordable. So go treat yourself. You can never have too many pairs of lugs. Exclusively for our beautiful listeners, get 30% off full price items now by going to lugs.com and entering the code DATEABLE. Again, that's L-U-G-Z.com and entering the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 30% off full price items. This episode is brought to you by One Last Kiss by Cat Martin. Colorado rancher Sam Bridger will do anything for a friend, even if it means babysitting a rich city girl who knows more about high fashion than horses. Blonde, beautiful Liberty Hale looks like a model and acts like a spoiled brat. But Sam senses another side to the young woman who has lost so much of her family and she can't deny the heat. Just one look at her ignites. Libby is determined to get through her time on the ranch. Her inheritance depends on her putting in a solid month's work. She hadn't imagined her boss would be a sexy, straightforward cowboy, and she's surprised to discover just how much she wants him. As life in the Colorado sunshines begins to burn away her grief, Libby and Sam's attraction to each other starts to sizzle. And there's so much more to the story. Get your hands on One Last Kiss by Kat Martin at kensingtonbooks.com or wherever books are sold. Okay, let's hear it from Greg. Greg. 
When I think about our guest, I think of the phrase, catch me if you can, because <laughs> in the in the last, what, six, seven years I've known Greg, I've caught him maybe like three or four times. And each time he was <laughs> on his way to somewhere else. This international man <laughs> of mystery. He is 35 years old, currently living in Bozeman, Montana. Good to know where I can catch you if I need to. He's been there for nine months. He's originally from Acton, Massachusetts. He's single and actively going on dates. The topic, as you all know, is about dating while living this nomadic lifestyle. But we want to dive deeper into this topic because it isn't just about a lifestyle, but also like things that have changed during COVID that have maybe amplified your nomadic lifestyle. So let's just first reflect back. Well, first, hello, Greg. <laughs> nice to catch you on video. Hey, Greg. I'm so glad that you're here because <laughs> I think this is so relevant for so many people, especially with the changes that COVID is bringing that it's allowing people more nomadic lives. So I'm really excited to hear what you've learned from your experience, what you would do all over again, and what you wouldn't repeat when it comes to dating and relationships, of course. <laughs> totally. I've had so many people reach out in like the last year and a half and like ask me about all sorts of aspects of like living and working remotely. More than ever before, I assume. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> And you're kind of living the dream. I feel like, especially in the Bay Area, a nomadic lifestyle is what we all strive mm -hmm. for, to work remotely, to live anywhere in the world, and to have the freedom to travel. What we want to hear about today is how that nomadic lifestyle plays into your dating life. So if we had to go back to the moment you decided you want wanted this type of lifestyle, how long do you think you've been a nomad for? Um, I mean, even my last couple of years in SF, I had a lot of flexibility with my job. So I would kind of go all over kind of when I could. I've wanted to do it for forever, honestly. <laughs> like when I finally got my camper and moved into it, it had been like a decade since like I had thought about doing it in college. <laughs> um, I feel like you've lived like you would take stints in um, Argentina, too. So you went like globally during this nomadic life as well. Yeah, I mean, I would travel for skiing a lot. So yeah, I would go down to South America to ski when it's summer up here. And then how do you date? If you're constantly on the go, <laughs> you're in different countries, if not in different countries, you're at least in a different city, it seems like all the time. How do you date? How do you sustain relationships? I mean, I'm going to disappoint a lot of people here and probably say <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah, <laughs> it can't be. The number one thing is that people tend to not always take you seriously mm. because you know, you're transitory. I get it. You have to show people that you're interested and available and also flexible. I think for me, that was really key to be like, hey, you know, if this starts working out, you know, I can swing back through. <laughs> I feel like you always had like long distance things going on. Like I remember like, you'd always be like, mm. oh, there's a guy here. There's a guy here, like all over different parts. <laughs> like how, how did you find like coming through like that promise is obviously good that you'll be back again, but clearly it's more challenging than if you could see them every day and build that into your life. Like, how did you kind of have that play out? Like, was it difficult or did it work? Um, I mean, I think it was difficult for sure. Like I said, you know, people tend to not take you super seriously. And then just for me personally, 
you know, there's a stage like, yeah, it's exciting at the beginning, but it's also you're just getting to know that person. And if you're gonna like, you get to know them a little bit, and then you take off and then you're back again, it's kind of like, it's it's maybe not at square Mm -hmm. one, but it's not, you know, the same as you know, going on dates with someone every week or something like that. Um, I'm pretty good at staying in touch. So, you know, I kind of did a lot of video chatting and just getting to know someone. And like, in some ways, I found that like, that's can be really lovely. It has its own pitfalls for sure. But I found that you get to know someone really well without having sex uh, confuse things or complicate things as much. And I find that that I myself, like, probably make better choices. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you were doing the date, the COVID dating before COVID, like video dates, taking it slow, sexual encounters, because you had to, you were totally before your time, Greg. And, (laughs) And if we were to get real for a sec, if you said people couldn't take you seriously, should they take you seriously? I'm putting myself in the shoes of people that you may have come across. Mm-hmm. I would think, what a cool life this guy leads. He's traveled the world and you never know where he is. That's awesome. I'm attracted to that. But do I want to be in a relationship with someone like that? Because they could have, in theory, 10, 20 other relationships from all the different places. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I didn't really do that. I kind of like, I go a little crazy if I have too many things on the stove kind of so I usually go you know one at a time that's not to say like there's not guys I'm potentially interested in elsewhere but I usually like as far as dating however you want to define that I do that one at a time and then that's something I do for myself more than for Mm. anyone else yeah I mean I think I, I had a couple instances that were very frustrating where somebody would meet up with me for a date and then be like, oh, you don't live here? Mm. And like, yeah, it's literally the first thing I say on my profile. <laughs> oh, someone didn't read <laughs> Yeah, you're like, I'm being very transparent. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's <laughs> now that I'm mostly in Bozeman, or at least home-based in Bozeman, I totally get it. I look at people just passing through, and Bozeman is a place where people pass through a lot. And I'm like, mm, do I want to go on a date with this person? They're right. going to be gone in two weeks anyways. Hmm. I just, you know, I tried to make sure on the first date that the guys I was seeing knew that like, if that that I'm a point at a point in my life that if this goes well, that I will stick around. But as I learned, that has its own challenges as well, because you're starting out a relationship, you don't really know this person that well. And frequently, you're marooned in a place where you don't know anyone else. Mm -hmm. So like, they're kind of your whole world in that place. And so Mm. and it's very early. So it's like kind of puts a lot of pressure on a relationship. Even if I can kind of hang around, that means I like very quickly have to find new friends and find stuff to do that's not tied to that person. Because you don't have a life there, pretty much. Right. Yeah, interesting. So were you upfront with people being like, I date one at a time, like I am looking for a relationship? That was something that you were pretty upfront with, despite the nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, I I mean, I'm just pretty upfront in general. Yeah, I would I would make sure they knew that I was nomadic, but I was actually serious about dating. The one at a time thing, if it comes Mm -hmm. up, I'll tell people. And a lot of times, I mean, you know, I used to live in SF. So I'm like, my basic assumption is that they're going on dates with other people. And that's fine. And I've told guys before that, like, I'm just dating you. We're not at a point where, like, you have to be doing the Mm -hmm. same thing. 
but just know that like that's that's where I'm at. That's good. And what has been your intention? Is it to get into a long-term serious relationship? Yeah, like for sure, 100%. I mean, I want it's not something I've ever had. It's a little embarrassing, but at 35, my longest relationship ever has been like four months. A lot of people are on our show or in our community that say that. So there's <laughs> nothing to be embarrassed about at nothing all. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No. I mean, I think there's a certain... I have avoidant tendencies for sure. I think the travel fits into that very well. Mm-hmm. And, and dating people that don't live close to you also fits into that very well. Yeah. And I'm kind of trying to get away from that a little bit currently. I lived in SF for like eight years. I dated on and off throughout that time. And I never made anything happen, really. But you were also leaving all the time. You were here. You were living in SF for eight years. One foot in, one foot out. (laughs) This is true, which was a problem (laughs) for sure. But I think it was, you know, at a certain point, I think for me, I reached a certain age and I was like, well... I just have to look in the mirror. Mm. Like there's a reason none of my relationships are working out and I'm the only common denominator at this point. (laughs) So is that, was that part of the reason that you decided to like settle down in Bosman and was like, did you have these revelations over COVID? Um, I've had these revelations for a while. Okay. Uh, It actually like, well, when I moved into my truck, basically like, Doing it alone, most people, a lot of people that do van life or whatever, do it with a partner Mm. um, because it gets really lonely. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I've gotten to do amazing, amazing stuff. But there has been times where I wish I had somebody to share that with. Mm. Like, you know, an incredible sunset and an incredible moment or something. And I can definitely tell my, you know, friends and family about it and they'll be stoked for me. But it's not the same as having somebody there um, experiencing that with you. When you had the four four month long relationship, your longest, was that during your nomadic lifestyle or was it when you were settled in San Francisco? Uh, there was one when I was like leaving right before I left for, I had like Always. had my truck already. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Time is a bitch. And then yep. the other relationship I had had before that, that was official anyways, was in college. <laughs> so during, yeah, during nomadic lifestyle, you were pretty much on your own with things here and there. I actually met a guy in Bozeman when I was nomadic okay. that, that was like, I was very, very into and we kind of made it work for a little bit. Well, my truck broke down in Bozeman, and I ended up meeting him while my truck was broken down. <laughs> it was like a forced stay. Is that how you ended up? <laughs> kind in of, Bozeman? yeah. Like I, I dated him for a while, and then um, there's a really big age gap, and that didn't really work out. We we're just very different. What's really big? He was 20, and I was 32. Yeah, that's not that big. No, the age gap itself is like not wasn't necessarily the problem right it's just that he was young yeah Um, i want kids Mm -hmm. and like that's where my mind is at right now and Mm. it was it was something i had mentioned to him like three years ago like when i when i gave him a whole speech about why we shouldn't date wait why you should or shouldn't (laughs) date shouldn't okay i mean initially (laughs) he was the one that was like super kind of like wanted to hang out more and and I was the one who was like, you know, this is cool. You're like into a lot of the same stuff I am. Mm-hmm. And you seem really awesome. But like, you're 20. And like, 
you know, we'll hang out a little bit and then we'll go our separate ways. Stage of life is a big thing for sure. Yeah. And do you think that's sort of, how would you call this? Basically, people who would be attracted to your kind of lifestyle, maybe at a stage in life where they're trying to figure shit out. Mm -hmm. And just looking at statistics alone, it probably veers on the younger side. Yeah, I think in general, what I what I found out is that I'm really into spending time outdoors. I'm really into traveling. And people who tend to like those things tend to be very avoidant. Mm. Oh, <laughs> um, it's a lot of solitude, so, right? And always on the go, oh. no home base. I could totally see that. Right. Well, and like, you know, being outside... Spending time outdoors, being whatever, backpacking, ski touring, whatever you, all of those things. It's a sense of pride of being resourceful and Mm. adaptive and independent. Mm, Um, Interesting. And independence works, cuts both ways, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people and myself, my previous self included, who view a relationship as a threat to their freedom freedom and and independence. That makes sense. Let's take a quick break from this riveting conversation for a few announcements. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? <laughs> There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the walls. 
and feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so you had the the time on the road when you were in the RV that you were like experiencing sunsets, seeing all this stuff. Was there any other moments that you're like, okay, something's got to change. Like, I want to switch up my lifestyle. I mean, I kind of ignored a lot of my friends for a while who were like, you're not going to basically like you're not going to meet someone this way. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I was like, no, it could happen. I know it's harder, but it could happen. And I still believe that. I do think it could happen did meet that guy in Bozeman. And that was one of the most meaningful relationships I've ever had. Mm. It didn't work out, but it was still, yeah, incredibly meaningful for me. But it is hard. Right. There's always an option for it too. But I do think that like have a home base somewhere, you're just like more kind of settled down by default in a way. So it kind of lends itself maybe to more of that. Yeah. Are you re- are you resistant to that idea? Because Julie, you know what this reminds me of is our episode with Jesse and Cassie, mm-hmm. who are on our last season. Jesse left San Francisco to explore the world and thought he was going to live this nomadic lifestyle. And in the middle of his travels, he couldn't stop thinking about this one girl that he had a friendship with back home in San Francisco. And it took him almost a year of traveling and being nomadic to say, she is the one and I'm going to get her and we're going to make San Francisco a home base or wherever the two of us are going to find a home base. And then we can go and explore the world together. Like, what is your theory around what could possibly happen and make it work? I think being on the road alone, uh, traveling alone, gives you a lot of time to think. <laughs> um, so that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I initially hit the road. My my initial kind of feeling was I've been in SF for eight years. And, and part of being in SF for me was I want to date. I want to try to like find a boyfriend. At a certain point, I was like, I've been here eight years nothing's happened. Mm. And I'm not going to sit around and wait, I'm going to go live my life, I'm going to do the things that I want to do. And especially take the opportunities that I have. And you know, that will make me more attractive to the right partner, instead of just like hanging around and waiting for stuff to happen. Totally. I think that that time to think can really clarify a lot of things. What it clarified for me was that the problem was not SF. The problem was me. Mm. Well, that I feel like people always do that. They always blame their city. I know. And I, I think it's like, it is a double-edged sword because I agree with you what you just said. It's like, you shouldn't wait for, like, if you want to do something with your life, you shouldn't necessarily like wait because you want to meet someone. But then on the other side of it, usually just moving somewhere else isn't going to solve the deeper problems of what's going on. It's like a kind of an external fix, right? Totally. So, Okay, so you're on the road, you're having these revelations. How did you get to the point that you're like, this is me, not it wasn't San Francisco, but it's my own stuff going on? Um, I have a friend who for years was talking me talking to me about reading the book Attached Mm -hmm. and attachment theory in general. Okay. And he's just super interested in that stuff. 
And I started, I listened to a lot of podcasts, including this one. <laughs> and I started just examining more. It's, I think it was similar for me for like starting mm. therapy. You just start thinking about things that maybe you were blind to before and your kind of mindset towards it matures a little bit. And you start realizing that these things are not inevitable. I think that's a really good point, though, the whole like slowing down and taking this stuff in. Because part of the challenge, like, let's say you don't do the nomadic life, but you're just in a city. I know I did this for years. Like, I just kept myself busy, always going out. I was always surrounded by people. I never really had, like, alone time to be deep in my thoughts. And I think I didn't realize, like, subconsciously that I was doing this. But it was a form of avoidance in a way. Like, have either of you dealt with this? Um, Because I think people that maybe aren't nomads – can relate that sometimes even being in the city that you think that you're settled down in, you're still not like open necessarily. Totally. I th- I think that I know for myself that like when I was dating actively, like now I look back on it and I was like, I was not ready to be in a relationship. No. I did not. Mm-hmm. I wanted kind of what everybody else wanted, which was like an activity partner, somebody who's yes. going to mm-hmm. do stuff with me when I want to and what I want to. And that's not a relationship, right? That's no, that's fun, but it's not no, there's no such person, right? Like everybody has their own personalities and their own interests and that's what makes it great. But uh, I think I needed that time to just be alone and think about things to realize that. And I, you know, I feel kind of bad because I dated pretty actively on and off. And now I realize I wasn't really serious about it. That's a, yeah, I I relate to that so hard. I felt the same way when I was living in New York, surrounded by noise and people mm-hmm. and crowds and events and a bunch of shit going on. And it was the loneliest time of my life because I used that noise to drown out my own thoughts. And even though I thought I was living this really eventful and fun life, when I went mm-hmm. home at night, it was eerily quiet. And I had... I just did not want to deal with whatever thoughts I had coming to my head. But then I would also argue, could you also say that for being on the run all the time? Oh, totally. Because I felt like at some point in New York, too, I kept thinking, okay, I'm done with the New York noise and distractions. I'm just going to go skip town. I'm going to go to this other part of the world and all all my problems will be resolved by the time I come back. And when when I come back all the problems were even worse. Right. Well, I think 100%. I think that's why people always look to go to a different location as the solution. I think that's why people are drawn to the nomadic lifestyle, too, because you're always on the go. I mean, the reality is it probably it's like you could probably make whatever work, but it's not where you are. It's what work you're doing on the inside is really probably the deep down piece of it. That's true. That's true. Like when when your house is mobile, it's very easy to outrun your problems. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. just get in and go somewhere. Um, They'll always catch up to you, though. So here's the (laughs) tricky part. And I'm sure a lot of people are asking this question. Greg, you know, you have an avoidant attachment style, yet you live this life where it's very easy for you to pick up your shit and leave. So how are you reconciling the two where you're still, you know, you have this, this avoidant attachment style, and you live a life that could enable it? 
how do you not let it enable it? Carefully. (laughs) 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 I, I mean, I'm trying to take the good that I see. I mean, I I am proud of the fact that I'm like very self-sufficient and independent. Mm-hmm. And I think to the right person, that will make me an attractive partner. But I'm also trying, you know, I'm in Bozeman now. I'm trying to be here a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I still want to travel. I still love to travel. I still love to ski a lot. But I'm trying to make an active effort to be here, to have community, to mm-hmm. um, potentially date someone and be willing to understand that, yeah, I can't at that point just take off for half a year. Or, right. You know, I still, you know, I do go to Argentina every year and that's one of my favorite things to do. And I really want to keep on doing that. But if, if I'm dating someone who can't do that with me, then, you know, maybe I go for a month instead of three. Mm. But I do think for me personally, it would be very important to date someone who's independent on their own. I just think it's hard to find people who are independent, but also want um, a serious relationship because those two things, I don't think have to be opposed, but a lot of times I think we all feel like they are. We're like speaking for avoidant people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing comes down to balance. Like it's always easier said than done, but this is really the root of it. It's like when you're always, I'll just use like being like outdoors and active and looking for the activity partner. Cause I think that's such a interesting piece too. Like so many people are like, I need my partner to be, have the exact same hobbies as I do. But if you're just having an activity partner and that's the only thing they're like bringing to the table that you're just not even having like that deep connection because when you're skiing, you're not even talking to mm. the person, right? Like you're just like doing an activity. So Greg's like, no, I don't agree. Well, when you're ski talking, <laughs> When you're ski touring, like the myth about ski touring is that you actually get to ski a lot. You don't ski a lot. You mostly just walk. (laughs) Um, And so you have a lot of time actually to get to know someone. Uh, It's actually, I think some of it, it, it's incredible how quickly you can get to know someone because there's no distractions. There's no nothing. It's the same, same thing with backpacking or hiking. You're out in nature. Your cell phone doesn't work. There's nothing right. else going on. You're just hoofing it, basically. And so what are you going to do? You're going to talk to that person. Actually, the, the the guy in Bozeman, our first date, we went backcountry skiing and it was incredible. Okay, so you're proving my point in a very different way than I started <laughs> off. But <laughs> I'll still take the same point. Is like, you fine, then you can actually do the stuff you want to do, but you need to have the balance that you're making room for that other totally. person. Because I think like when you first said it about outdoor activity, a lot of it is solo or some of that. If you're always doing that stuff on your own, it's hard to let another human in. But it doesn't mean necessarily that you have to like, be like, I'm never going to do my hobbies again. It's just finding that compromise and balance that you can still do it in a way that lets in that partner. Totally. And it's something I struggle with, am struggling with right now and have struggled with in the past is like how much I've designed my whole life basically around being able to travel as much as possible and being outdoors as much as possible. And like right now, that is super important to me. Mm Mm-hmm. 
is it going to be important to me in a decade? Yeah. But is it going to be as important to me? Mm. Maybe not. And like, I've definitely met guys before that we have overlapping kind of interests in that, but that the other part of it just isn't there. And I think as I've gotten older, and as I've thought more about it, you know, I care much more about whether somebody's going to be a good partner if they have, you know, like if they're warm and caring and thoughtful and all of the things you want in a partner rather than if they ski or not. Right. And your outdoor activity with them can evolve over time too. Like maybe it's not what it looks like today. Maybe there's like taking your kids for a sled ride or something like there's different levels of activity that can accomplish the same thing. Totally, totally. And, you know, I would also, you know, love to introduce somebody to those things Mm -hmm. if they're not. Mm -hmm. But it would be difficult for me to date someone who's not into being outside at all, who's miserable in the cold. That would be very, very tough. Not maybe not impossible. I did date a guy for a little bit who hated the cold. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was he was an Olympic bobsledder. <laughs> and hated, the, and hated cold? the cold. And hated the cold. It was basically cool runnings, which side note, <laughs> like I did not we, we talked for like a month before I mentioned cool runnings to him. And on our first date, that was all that was running through my head. <laughs> and when I finally said it, I was like, I'm sure you get this all the time, and I've waited a fucking month and I deserve some fucking credit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that is such false advertising. <laughs> I know, right? And I I met him in in British Columbia too. And he's like, "No, I'm from the south and hate cold." Oh my cold. gosh. <laughs> it's like meeting a pastry chef who hates sweets. You're like, "Wait." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The part that I struggle with right now is like there's a difference between interests and lifestyle. Yes. I think interests are easier to find alignment cuz I can always say I don't like the cold, but I'm willing to learn about why you love the cold. I'm willing to learn how to ski better. Like these are things we can open ourselves up to. Lifestyle wise, first of all, it's already hard enough to find a partner. Okay. Even if you lived in the same city, all these variables have to align. And then you Mm -hmm. have to fact factor into these other things have to work out as such as financial planning. This person would need to be financially stable enough to move from place to place. And also they would have to have work that allows them the freedom and remote work ability to to be flexible. And they also have to have this uh, desire, I guess, or not even desire, but maybe they're not, they don't have family that is tying them down, like caring for the elderly or caring for an ill family member. I just feel like there's so many other lifestyle factors (laughs) that need to align. And I'm just curious if that's something that you found in your dating whirlwind. Yeah, I mean, I think I've given up on a lot of <laughs> like, I think it, it's just not given up. But like, if somebody comes along that that is able to do all of the things that I do with me, that would be fucking amazing. I'm not holding my breath for mm-hmm. that. I'm I've been incredibly lucky. And it's, you know, it's something I've wanted to do. And it's something I've pushed for, but I've also had the opportunity to do it. And it's pretty rare. And it's becoming more common. We'll see what the post COVID world looks like. But given all that, there's a lot of freedom and flexibility that I have that most people will probably not ever had. As a small aside, that all being said, I know a lot of people who have talked to me before and been like, oh, I would love to do what you do. It's amazing. And 
you're just so lucky. Depending on your career, that can be a hard thing. But I've definitely had that conversation with plenty mm-hmm. of people who are, I've been like, y- you can. Right. Like, you could totally do it. There's a cost associated, but you could do it. So you could meet someone that's in the same page and they could, you could give them kind of like that push to do it. Or I think what I'm also hearing is like, you're entering this next stage of your life that you're like looking for something to be a little more, you know, putting a relationship first, maybe. And you're like, at least I've had this opportunity. And it's not that I'm going to give up on the outdoors. It's not going to give up on the travel. I'm just going to fold it in with the relationship more at the forefront opposed to in the past where relationship was kind of a secondary that came with it. Totally. I I still have my camper. That's not going anywhere. (laughs) And it shouldn't. I mean, I don't think people should like change who they are and what they want to do. But I do agree with you. Like there is a cost of being always on the go or always so busy. We hear people even that are in their cities that are just like too busy to fit in a date. And it's like, well, how are you expecting that you're ever going to meet someone? If you don't have time now, how are you going to have time for a relationship? So it is something you kind of do need to carve out the space. And it can be difficult when you don't see process. And you're like, why would I do that when I could be doing X, Y, and Z? But I personally think you do kind of need that energy to attract that person. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think somebody who's going to be attracted to me, hopefully will be stoked that I've done all this Mm -hmm. stuff and um, will want to do at least some of it with me in the future. But I think I... I, I think I swang, swang <laughs> from like swang. <laughs> swang. <laughs> uh, from like one extreme to another, right? Like I was in SF and I, I mean, I still had my tendencies and I was gone a lot even in SF, but then I was like, this isn't working. Fuck this. I'm going to go out on a road, mm-hmm. on the road and I'm just going to do my thing. And, you know, maybe somebody will come along, hopefully. Um, and so now I'm just trying to like, find a balance mm-hmm. of traveling sometimes having a community giving space to be able to meet someone i feel like i'm being like a little nihilistic about like meeting people on the road i think it is possible for sure i just think it is it's difficult and you need to really put effort into staying in touch with people you're interested in but then that's a whole nother issue because then you're investing a lot in a person that you don't really know if you guys are going to get along in person that much. And I've definitely been in that situation too, where I invested a lot in someone only to find out that they're a lot more avoidant Mm. than I am (laughs) and that it was great when we were separated, but when we're, Mm. you know, when when shit is getting real and we're spending time together that they actually just bail. And so for me, I'm on the other end of that being like, well, shit, there's a year of my life. Not not entirely like that, but it has a cost, right? Mm-hmm. Emotional cost, a time cost. Opportunity cost. Yeah. Something that Greg right. revealed to me before we started recording, I don't think, Julie, you caught this, is Greg, you did make a big move in Bozeman. You bought a place that you're currently living in. So that's very much, even if you told me you're like, I can always Airbnb it out if I'm not here, it still shows that you're putting down roots somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that does make dating a little bit more intentional for people that you meet. Totally. Yeah, I I think I know myself and I need to like (laughs) physically root myself to places. Otherwise, I'm just going to take off again. So like, it's a way for myself to be like, no, you're- 
self-awareness. Fucking doing this. <laughs> that is self-awareness. I mean, I was going to say, like, I think even in a transient city like San Francisco and New York and some of the other major cities out there, hearing someone, like, has a place that they own does show, or they've been in the city for 10 years or whatever it is, it does show that they are committed to where they want to live, if that's something that you want also. I guess now that you're in Bosra, now that you have the place, what do you think is going to be different, like, outside of some of the more intentionality that you mentioned earlier i mean i think my mindset is a little different like i have a routine which is not something (laughs) i've had for the past four years basically three three four years i have a gym i go to you know there's like i'm starting to meet people around town and and i found that my mindset around dating has changed a little bit as well i'm a little bit more serious about trying to find a good match and just making sure that i'm being available mm-hmm. to people trying to be around honestly it's very easy to just be like no oh, i'm yeah i would but i'm gone that weekend yeah i have a good feeling about this for you greg i really do <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm not as sure as you are because I moved from a big city where there's a lot of gay men. That might be the only thing not in your favor. <laughs> that being said, Bozeman is very outdoorsy. Yeah. And I think part of me is like, well, yeah, there's less options here, but hopefully there's more of the, the kind of right option for me (laughs) right well you hear abundance of choice all the time how that's not always the best thing and i think you hear this even like in big cities it can be hard to date when there's zillions of prospects because there's always the bigger better brighter syndrome right so i think it might i agree with you it might let you focus more and really get to know the people that are in your surroundings and you said something that was so key you said there may be more choices for people who are better fitted for me you could be in a city with a million gay men who are just not your type. Who cares? There's a million of them. Wouldn't you rather be in a city maybe there are like 10, but they're all your type and are on your same wavelength? Totally. I think this is a good segue to takeaways. But like one thing that's coming to my mind too, just kind of on this exact topic is just because, you know, there. I don't think there's ever a right or wrong way to date. Like I do think you do need to know who you are and what you want to do with your life. We had another guest uh, from last season, John Kim, say that before I was saying like it's where I'm going and who's coming with me and I think there is a little bit of a balance there is because you can't be a hundred percent like it's all my way and then I'm just gonna see who comes along with me but at the same time setting yourself up for success and being in the types of environments you want to be in and being around the types of people that you know could be a good fit is kind of step number one so I think that it's not all or nothing that you can't live like the life that that's authentic to you. But then my other takeaway is you still need to make space for someone. Like if you're always on the run, you're never like allowing someone to fold into the life. Like what you said was so key, Greg, it's even if it's like mundane things, but just having a schedule that you're doing, someone can be in that life with Mm -hmm. you. But if you're always running from place to place, it's very hard to get that person in that life. And I think sometimes we just need to sit with things. And that can be, you know, even if you're on the road, maybe you are sitting and having all the deep thoughts and it's not again right or wrong that you're on the road or you're in one location but just even if you're in one location running around all the time or when things get difficult even if you're in a relationship when things get difficult you're running you do need to kind of sit with with the uncomfortable feelings as much as the good things that come through with life totally and like a lot of this stuff is like 
coping mechanisms, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There's some maladaptive stuff in there and there's some stuff that's really positive as well. Mm-hmm. But I think recognizing that can be a way to just deal with it, to give it a name. And then when it's kind of acting up in a negative way, then you can name it and be like, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Like, I need to like, you know, just turn the volume down for a little bit. I love that. It's not changing your whole lifestyle. It's not changing who you are at the core, but recognizing it. So when it comes up, you know, your instinct isn't to run. It's to be like, okay, I need to sit with this and see if I can get through it. Yeah. I mean, I think the instinct for me is is frequently to run, but <laughs> yeah. now I can like turn the volume down on that voice and just be like, no, like th- this isn't what you want long term. This is going to prevent you from getting the things you want long term. Absolutely. Something I think about all the time is we're constantly running away. What if we shifted that phrase to running into instead of running mm. away from my hometown, running away from the city that I hate? I'm running into a new place. I'm running into new people. And that way, we kind of feel like we're not escaping, is that we're more open to experiencing. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm also interested in this idea of like, we mentioned this word intentionality quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we do things without intentions. We don't set the intentions. Sometimes we run away from things. And even if you set the intention of running away from something, at least it's an intention, but we don't even do that. It's it's sort of this like just a reaction we have and then we just do it. What if we were to be more intentional about the lifestyle that we choose to lead? I want to live in a nomadic lifestyle but because my intention is to experience the world as much as I can and feel as much love as much as I can. That's an intention. And something that is great about intentions is that we can always change it. And I hate that in today's society, we're so tied to our identity that when we think about changing our intentions, we're thinking about, mm. oh, does this change my identity? Like, Greg, you're t- tied to a nomadic lifestyle. So now you feel like you have to fill that identity, right? Because everybody right. knows is like knows me as someone right. they can't catch. So I, I got where's my next place to go. But also know that your identity changes all the time. You can be nomad, Greg, today, but you can also be rooted, Greg, tomorrow. But who cares what other people yeah, think, sure. right? We're just like all constantly trying to fulfill these identity roles and expectations when we forget everything's constantly evolving. So I love where you are right now, Greg, because not only have you evolved <laughs> to a new, I don't know, stage in life, but you haven't given up your core values, which is still experiencing the world as much as you can. It's a new chapter. You're just evolving a bit. It's definitely a new chapter, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all about this new chapter. Hopefully this gave a lot of food for thought, whatever people's, you know, life goals are. And I think like the whole thing about the new chapter is there's, it's okay to have a chapter that is more about you and self-discovery. Sometimes you need that chapter to get to the next chapter that you are looking for more of, you know, something serious or to settle down and really plant those roots. So I'm a firm believer that kind of everything plays the way it's supposed to. And there's not really any right or wrong timelines for people. And people just kind of need to zig and zag at whatever pace makes sense for them. Yeah, no, none of this is wasted time at all. You're learning all the time. And we're learning from you vicariously (laughs) as your (laughs) imposement. I mean, yeah, I 
I have no regrets. My time on the road was amazing. And it had just like everything else it had its ups and its downs. But keep us updated on all of your adventures, even if all your adventures are evolved around Bozeman. Um, we're stoked to hear that too. I'm going to start looking at real estate in Bozeman because apparently that's like the hot <laughs> market right now. Thanks for that tip. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, pl- please, please don't. All of Bozeman <laughs> will hate me if they hear you say that. Greg is like exiled for a Bozeman. Please, 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 yeah, please Julie, edit can that we out. just put like a beep over Bo- Bozeman? Like every time we say Bozeman, like beep. Right, right. Beep Montana. <laughs> So funny. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just kidding. The word is out. I mean, it's been in the New York Times. You're it's, there, so obviously. <laughs> obviously. It's the it spot. I mean, obviously, dateable's at the same level as Planet Money in the New York Times, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you, Greg, for sharing your journey and your story with us. For any listeners right now, we are still booking guests for our season. If you have a story of evolution like Greg's, we love to hear it, and while you're sending us your a story online, just go to datablepodcast.com. You can also give us a review in Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Hey, just, you know, just trying to be, try to be giving right now. Let's do five stars <laughs> and just like a line or two about why you love us, why you love the show and what you've learned from the show or you what you've learned from Greg. Those reviews really help us to shape our seasons and to shape our content. And the better reviews, the more reviews, the better our content. Content. It just goes hand in hand that way. All right. Okay, okay we're going to wrap this up. Thank That's you awesome. so Thank much, you Greg. So much. Enjoy your new chapter, and we will be keeping in touch for sure. You're not getting away from us this time. Uh, and then <laughs> we're going to wrap this up. Stay The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us. We look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.